morning, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast podcast. I'm so grateful for another opportunity to, to share with you another amazing individual. His name is Zeb Hasna. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, bright and early, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're both going on no sleep, which is great. I just got back from Roosevelt, Utah, and uh, Zeb had a little issue at the movies last night, but uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's grateful to be here, and I'm grateful to have him. And so good morning. Good morning. Yeah. So thanks for joining me today, and I'm grateful that the listeners get a chance to hear your story. Hey, I'm always grateful to be here with you, Todd. I know. I appreciate that. Um, I've known you for, how many years has it been now? About four. It's coming been, up on four, I think. Coming up on four. So you, uh, you've been clean for how long now? Oh, I don't really count. I, think, I know my sobriety birthday is in August, so it's coming up on four years. Yeah, right on. Um, Zeb has an amazing story, and uh, I'm so glad that we get to hear it today. So let's just start off. Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where you grew up, a little bit about your family. Uh, so I was born and raised in Utah. Um, I was raised by a single mom pretty much till I was about 14. My dad's always been in and out of prison my whole life. I don't really, you know, my dad was in prison from the time I was about eight till I was about 21. Okay. So I was, yeah, I was always just with my mom. Um, I have two little brothers and a stepdad who is basically my dad. Um, your dad? Yeah. So how old were you when your dad went to prison? I was, oh, he was in, in and out of prison my whole life. Oh. But like when I remember fully, it was about eight years old. Okay. Yeah. Do you, now, do you remember, was that a difficult time? You know, not having your dad around a lot because yeah. of that? Oh, yeah. Difficult all the time. And then my grandma would always want me to go visit him in jail. And it was always, like, behind the glass thing. I had to drive to a different state all the time. And it was uh-huh. it was tough. Like, And I was a crybaby growing up. So I always <laughs> felt like I'd always leave there crying. Like, oh, my dad, my dad, my dad. And, uh-huh. yeah, it was it was tough growing up not having a father figure. Were you scared? going? How, how young were you when you first went to go see him in prison? Do you remember? I was, like, 10. Okay. So that had to have been pretty intimidating. You're yeah. driving into a prison, mm-hmm. you know, gr- you know, compound or whatever you want to call it, and you're walking in there and you're behind this glass and you see all these cops everywhere and yeah, you have to walk through a metal detector yeah. and get searched just to go see your dad. It was yeah. kind of a hot experience for a ten year old. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so you you said you used to cry a lot when you were younger. Oh yeah, I was a baby. Yeah. What, what do you think that came from? Were you did you have a lot of anger growing up? Because yeah, of... I don't know. I, I was just always a little spoiled brat, little only child. I was an only child until I was like eight. Okay. So I kind of had like, I had everything, but then I didn't, I was just always a crybaby. My mom's always made fun of me that, made fun of me <laughs> for that for my whole life. But Right. Um, yeah, I did have a lot of anger issues like with my dad. Like I always felt like, you know, why, it was always that, am I good enough feeling because you know my mm-hmm. dad never wanted to be around me mm-hmm. didn't care enough to stay out of jail to be in my life type of thing did you hold a lot of resentment towards your dad yeah yeah and typically resentment leads to rebellion right so let's talk a little bit about that um so growing up you know obviously i know i know your story about you know the issues you had with drug abuse and alcohol abuse and things like that when did that all kind of start uh i started it started when I was like 17 is when I was first started like partying and doing stuff like that. Um, 
you know, I, got, I, I hated school growing up. I never went. It was that mm-hmm. rebellious, you know. Mm-hmm. My mom would call me, hey, where you at? Oh, I'm in school. Oh, really? Because I'm at the counselor's office and we just called you out of math class and you're not there <laughs> type of thing. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah, I'm playing video games at home. But right. I, I hated school. Um, you know, I was a big basketball player growing up and that's mm-hmm. all I did. And I got really, like, I got really lazy, had that belief system, like, am I really that good? Mm-hmm. Am I good enough to make it? Even though I had always been good growing up, I got cut going into sophomore year after I had played all summer with them. I got cut, right. and I kind of just went whew, downhill after that. Right. I started, started feeling bad for myself, and then I just yeah. went a completely different route. So up until that age, you, you hadn't done any drugs or anything like that? No. So what, what started it? What did you... Was it just like at a party one night? You decided yeah, to go and drinking at a party, smoke pot for the first time. Uh-huh. And kind of. And did you? Would you feel like that this was like I'm gonna keep doing this kind of thing? I yeah, I, I kind of felt like out of my, you know, I wasn't sitting around feeling sorry for myself. I felt like I finally got a new element where I could just let loose and not worry about that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So at 17, you started doing that, and then uh, did you do any other? Th- Besides sports, was that kind of the main thing you were trying to do? Yeah, it was just sports growing up. I was just always trying to be sports, sports this, sports that. Yeah. How was your relationship with your mom growing up? I know you're, you're obviously your mom raised you pretty much, and I know your mom, and she's a very powerful lady. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's a strong-willed woman, but also really good at what she does and really trying to raise you the best that she could. Talk about that for a minute. My, um, I'm, I mean, our relationship's always good. I always right. tell I'm a mama's boy for sure. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like I kind of kind of walked on my mom in my high school years. You know, mm-hmm. I think she let me get away with a little more stuff than she should have. She's right. a little, she's a little lenient, and that was okay. more my fault. You know, I didn't. I was in that rebellion stage. I didn't. I did not care. Right. Like she could tell me to do my homework, and I would just be like, "Yeah, whatever." Like. Right. But she always loved me no matter what, and that's why I'm always grateful for my mom. Is right. I was always able to be honest with her, and I really didn't have to hide anything. Like I could talk right. to her, and she was gonna mm-hmm. lay me straight. Right? Did uh, did she? I you know, I, and I know that kind of changed as you got yourself into some you know drug addiction and things like that. Obviously, you know, she started to be a little more tough on you and that kind of thing. And um, so was she. Was she kind of lenient with all the kids growing up a little bit, do you think? No. You know, my brother's always telling me, like, oh, we can't do anything because of you. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm the old, oh, you're me the and my brother, kid? me and my little brothers are pretty far apart. Okay. Like, I didn't have, we're eight years and then my youngest is about nine or ten, so. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So That's my right. mom had been through the, the ringer with me and they kind of <laughs> straightened out. Yeah, right on. Um, so... Go back to when you were like around 10 at that age again. You know, we, we, we talk about beliefs a lot on this uh, podcast because, you know, it's interesting how powerful our beliefs can be, good or bad, right? What were some of the beliefs you had growing up? You've mentioned a couple already, but, you know, what were some of the beliefs that really kind of held you back as you were growing up through life, even before you started doing drugs? It was just that belief, like, in my... Am I good enough? Like, because I know I always had that lingering feeling, like, why didn't my dad ever want to be around me? Type thing mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Yeah. And it was that. I mean, outside of that, when I was younger, I was more who I am now. Because you know, I always go try to find back where I was ten. I was playing basketball all the time. You know, I thought I was the shit. 
I'm like, yeah, I'm so good. I was a kid. People walk by. Why do we always see you shooting invisible free throws walking around? Like, that's literally all I did was eat, sleep, and drink basketball. Right. Like, I could tell you every player that played type of thing like that, and right. I just had that attitude that I was going to win. Right. At everything like that. I'm going to be an NBA player, and that's literally what I did all growing up to kind of get away from all of that stuff. Yeah. So it makes sense on some level that when you got cut from the basketball team, that you kind of went downhill. Yeah. Because that was kind of, sounds like your identity. That mm-hmm. was, you know, your one thing you had to shoot for in life, no pun intended, but that was the thing you wanted to do most. Right. Right? Yep. Um, so can you remember, like, when you did get cut? I mean, were you, like, sad? Like, describe that time Yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. I mean, I was sad. I went home, like, oh, like, what am I going to do now type of thing? You know, instead of, instead of getting taking it as like a wake-up call and trying to actually work harder and go back to make it i kind of went the complete opposite way i sat around and felt sorry for myself and just went woo downhill i kind of gave up right like i literally just gave up right it's like one of the biggest regrets that i had in life like sure. i just literally gave up yeah did uh so now let's get more into that i mean so you start doing drugs and i know it kind of led to I don't know. At one point, you were doing it, correct? Yep. So let's talk about that. Like, how did it progress? Let's get into the details of that. Oh, how did it progress? I mean, I was just trying to be somebody I wasn't. I mean, that's when I look at my drug, my drug years. I think it was seventeen till about twenty-four. So seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I literally just spent seven years being someone I wasn't. Yeah. Growing up, like I, I started just genuinely like. Um, I was just smoking pot, really drinking is a big thing, and I really wasn't a big drinker, but I just drank anyway. I was smoking pot, and then started gradually getting into other stuff, trying other stuff like shrooms, acid, mm-hmm. and then eventually it led to crack. I never was a heroin guy, but I started selling pot. I was selling pot out of my parents' house, which was another no-no. Mm-hmm. Um, I just yeah, I just was selling pot just to make extra money, and then I got so bad it was turning out I was selling pot to make money to feed my other addiction, pretty much is what it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah you hear that a lot, you know, that people, oh, this is a good way to <clears throat> use this money so I can continue the other addiction being crack, right? Yeah, crack yeah. and Adderall. Right. And so I'm sure I would imagine that was very expensive. Yeah. Right. So did your mom have any idea that you were selling out of the house, or were you trying to do your best to hide that, or? Uh, I was hiding it for a while, but I was—I mean, it was pretty obvious. And I had kids coming in and out of there all the time, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually my stepdad found a backpack full of it, um, and I was given the ultimatum: quit selling drugs and move out. So I moved out. Uh, okay. I got, yeah, I moved out, got an apartment with some friends, and was just doing that. And just kept doing that. Kept doing that. Yeah. Did you ever get caught or in trouble with the law because of that? Or. Um, I never got caught. Like, dealing, dealing, you know, I got caught a couple times, like, I, n- I never liked to drive with that stuff. I was kind of, I tried to be as smart as I could about it, but um, I got a couple times with just small stuff, like, um, like I had a scale. I never got caught with, like, a huge amount of stuff, but I did get some tickets. I got caught on federal grounds with some stuff, so I had mm-hmm. a federal charge for a while, but. Did you ever serve time in jail or anything like that? Nothing major. Just yeah. just a few nights in and out. I got arrested a few times, I think like five or six times, but it was always just kind of stay at night or book and release type of thing. Yeah. I re- well, um, and so what was the turning point? When, when did you realize you wanted to get some help and 
and you know what got you to that point do you think uh so about around the time I was going around the time when I actually went to rehab um I was seeing my mom had me seeing this counselor I had just started dating Haley okay. um mm-hmm. which was a pretty big impact you know I want I wanted this girl to like me and I was kind of a shithead. I remember we went on our first date and I like laid it all out. I think I spent my last 20 bucks on a shirt so I wasn't all grimy mm-hmm. out there. I think I told her I was a drug dealer. I was like super honest and for some reason she stuck around. <laughs> um, bless her heart. Yeah. But uh, I remember I was driving to a counselor. I was driving an O2. I was driving my O2 Alero. It was like my car. I, I had it was like car I traded with my cousin, you know, I had everything. I kind of lost everything at that point. I couldn't afford my car payment, so I gave my newer car to my cousin and drove that. Um, I was driving to Lehigh, and my car broke down on the side of the road. And I didn't even care about anything. Is like, how am I going to get home and get high after this? Like, you know, I was telling my mom I was kind of stopping using, but I wasn't. I was still using at night all the time. Um... I was on my way to the counselor's office, and my car broke down on the side of the I-15 on the freeway. And I was freaking out that I couldn't get high. And I had Haley come pick me up and actually drop me off at the counselor's office. And my mom was there, and I finally just broke down to my mom. I told her, I need help. I need to go to rehab. And somehow that lady, I don't know this to this day, that lady somehow got Mark's cell phone number. And my mom called him at midnight on his personal cell phone at midnight and he got me into rehab two days later wow yeah that's how that's how you got here that's to how Wasatch. i got to watch that yeah wow was it was this your first time in treatment too yep. this is my first time i told my mom time and time before that i was going to go and i would always bail out wow okay and i would be like no i'm not going so it was kind of on your mind but you yeah. kept, you know uh-huh. kept kind of running from it yep gotcha so what was it you think about the car breaking down? Was that kind of like, hey, I've got nothing? Yeah, I literally got nothing. Point. Like now, I'm, I got nothing, barely any money. I'm just selling stuff to, to even stay to be able to afford that or trading it, like whatever I had at the time to just trade it for a different type of drugs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was like a low, low point. Right. Um, so you get here to Wasatch. Tell us what was going on through your mind when you got here. Well, so what was crazy is I, I didn't have insurance or anything like I was done. So I detoxed in my mom's basement for like two or three days before <laughs> this happened. And I was mis- I was puking, dry heaving, all that stuff. I got here. I remember my mom drove me here and we pulled up to this place. And my mom's like, are we in the right place? This looks like a country club. <laughs> like, you can't stay here. Like, we can't afford this, blah, blah, blah. And I remember getting here. I remember doing intake and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh. And Mark, had, my mom was super, super worried. I think she had told Mark I was going to die if I didn't get help. Right. And so Mark Mark was, Mark and Jeff, they told my mom that they would just take whatever the insurance would cover from my dad's side of it, my stepdad's insurance, mm-hmm. and they would just they would just wash it at that point. Like, let me right. stay with just the insurance money. Right. Because I remember that was my mom's, like, biggest fear is, like, we had looked at Highland Ridge, and I told my mom, like, I'm not staying here. Right. Like, that, that place, was, if I would have stayed at that place, I probably wouldn't have been where I was at today. But I remember, yeah. I remember coming here thinking it was a country club. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Mark and Jeff Richards own Wasatch Recovery Treatment Center. That's where we're coming to you today with our belief cast. And it's an amazing place. You do pull onto the property, and it does look like a five-star hotel country club, you know. Like wow, what's this? You know, but it is one of the toughest programs in the state by far, if not the country. 
and uh, we hit you hard when you got here. I remember uh, your first few groups yep. and your intro and stuff like that. We hit you really, really hard with some with some things. Describe that, just kind of what you were going through. Yeah, so I mean, I got to group my first day. I'm in a room full, I think, 17 strangers. Yeah. I was listening to kind of everybody, and I remember I was done at that point. Like I was, I was here to get help. You know, I was, I, I, I knew I was here for free. I knew I was here for a reason. I didn't just get into a facility like this for free. Mm -hmm. Like I was here for a reason. Um, I remember I was very vulnerable. My first group. Yeah. Um, yep, I, I remember. I laid it all out there. And yeah. I, I mean, pretty much everything. Yeah, which is really rare. In, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and it's rare to see someone come in right off the bat. And, you know, you were resistance a little bit in the beginning, but then you did. You just opened up and let it all out, and that's rare, <laughs> you know. And I think that was one of the reasons why you had such rapid success here, especially, is because of that vulnerability, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember, I remember I was super vulnerable. I think I told a story that I had basically used so many pills and stuff like that that I couldn't eat. Like, my stomach lining was gone. I couldn't eat unless I smoked pot. Like, I could not eat unless I was high. Mm -hmm. And I remember Gary laughed at me, mm -hmm. and I had no idea who he was. And I think I... I think I told him I was going to punch him in the face and I told him I had no idea. I asked him why he was laughing at me. I think it pissed me off and he yeah. just kept laughing at me and he ended up being my, my therapist, which was, which was even funnier. Yeah. I think he hears that three or four times a day. Yeah. I was I'm just talking, punch him in the face. I just reminded him on Thursday. I said, anybody else starting to beat you up besides me? He's like, yeah, I think like two or three times a week. Oh yeah. I've seen it several times. <laughs> yeah. He laughs a lot and he's taught me a ton to just laugh at clients and we're not laughing at you. We're just laughing at some of the stuff you say or do. It's like, really? You know, you really got to that point yeah. kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, you uh, you were very vulnerable when you're here. How long did you end up staying? Do you remember? I was here like 62 days. Yeah. 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 And uh, and now it's been over four years. Yep. Right? Wow. Uh, clean. Been clean four years. Um, I'll, you know, I remember also we pushed you really hard. We thought we told you to break up with Haley. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you wouldn't no nope. and uh we just said it ain't gonna last it's not gonna happen because it rarely does i mean because typically we were wondering why she was with you why would this good girl Haley be with this rebel zeb who's out doing not only doing drugs but dealing drugs and things like that why would she want to be with you exactly <laughs> i wonder the same thing all the time yeah but you guys are still together correct mm -hmm. yeah yeah, how's she doing? She's doing great. Mm -hmm. um, she just got another promotion at work, so yeah. she's working on that and going to school. Yeah. So tell us what you're doing now. What uh, Where are you working and what are you doing? So I work for uh, Ken Garf Honda. I'm a car okay. salesman. Okay. Yeah. So how, long you, how long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been there for three years. Okay. I've been selling cars for about a year, but I've worked there for three years. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things you've been really good at is a lot of people who leave treatment a lot of times struggle with I guess being a, an adult uh -huh. you know what I mean like working full time and being consistent and showing up for work and paying your bills and you've been really good at that you've been you know I know you've got dreams of doing other things but uh, you've been really dedicated and consistent with your work correct yep 
Um, that was the first job I got. I did. My parents didn't make me get a job when I first got out. They made me do IOP. So that was my first job after IOP, and okay. I've been there ever since. So wow. Yeah. Just consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, doing what adults do. They we work, we pay our bills, we get up, and hopefully along that lines, we're we're, we're you know have a good attitude about what we're doing, and you seem to really have a good attitude. Yeah. So, you know, you you mentioned you had a belief growing up that you weren't good enough. Obviously, you know, having your dad in and out of your life growing up was really tough. Mm-hmm. For any kid, it would be tough. Yeah. You know, and you kind of resented that and therefore led to some rebellion, hated school, got caught up in the drug scene. Um, what what are some of the beliefs you have now about yourself and, and the world that kind of empower you? I mean, I just, I always, like, every time, I'll just, every time I start to struggle with something or think I can't do something, like if I start to feel that come up in my head, I just remind myself of where I'm at now and where mm-hmm. I came from. Yeah. Like f- even four years ago. Yeah. You know, I kind of base everything like, hey, you know, I wanted to change an eating habit. And I'm like, oh, I can't stop eating junk food. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can't. I stopped doing crack. Yeah. You know, that's that's nothing. Like, right. stop eating junk food is nothing. Like, I stopped doing stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean? I always, it's, I know it's kind of, I kind of base everything I do around my sobriety. Like, yeah. If I can get sober, I can do this. So I have that empowerment that I can do anything, pretty yeah. much. Well, I love that. You yeah. know, that would be empowering because, you know, what you did was no easy thing. But knowing that you've done it, now you probably... Um, uh, is, it, is it fair to say you have this belief you can do anything? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. You know, I love that. Um, so how has that helped you, do you think, having that belief now? Good. Because it helps me stay focused on stuff I'm, I'm trying to do. Like I'm one of those people I'm all over the place on stuff I want to do. Mm-hmm. And once I actually narrow it down, Haley tells me I'm a I'm a binger. Like I have mm-hmm. a binge mentality where I start doing something and I throw everything into it. Kind of all or nothing. Yeah, yep. type of thing. I got that. And yeah. then if I fall off, I fall off. Like, yeah. and I don't like to. You're either gonna do it or, or you're I'm not gonna do it. Or yet. not. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's just. It's. I know. It's. Yeah. So it keeps me going. Yeah, I can relate to that as well yeah. in my life, you know, that uh, once I'm in, I'm all in kind of thing. And um, So what are you doing, um, maybe, what are the plans for you in the future? Like, what do you want to do? Do you have any goals or aspirations where you want to, you know, kind of share what you've been been through and doing now to, to give back kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I always want to, I always want to help kids and kind of, let kids know you know it's okay to be yourself growing up you mm-hmm. don't have to mask and do all these drugs to kind of be your and be in your own element mm-hmm. you're fine just the way you are right. type of thing like i you know sharing my story even with even not kids just anybody like i've always been since i got sober i've just been an advocate for sobriety like even with friends like mm-hmm. you know look at me look where we were at four years ago you know you thought i was gonna die right and now i'm here and you and i got some friends that are kind of stuck thinking they're not going to be able to do anything. And I always just try to tell them, you know, look at me. Like, right. if if there's lots of people just like us, and if they can do it, you can do it type right. of thing. You just have to want it for yourself. Gotcha. Type of thing. Gotcha. So do you, um, what do you do to give back, do you think? What, what are some of the things you do? I just, you know, I'm always just trying to be there listening. You know, if people, mm-hmm. if I have friends or anyone that has a problem type thing, um, I just always listen, kind of talk. You know, Paul's asked me to come talk to people mm-hmm. who are in treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, I just try to be there, tell my story, and just advocate how good sobriety is. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, 
so what uh you know as you go through your life and you've you know you've been through a lot obviously and now you're doing some really good things you know do, have you still had some challenges though even though you've been clean four years like what have been some of your toughest challenge over the last four years I mean has it been hard to be clean or has it been easy for you um the first the first little bit you know when that bubble pops when you leave when you leave rehab and you don't have like that little bubble you know it was hard mm-hmm. for a little bit but after the first first year you know it's just something I wanted like in it's like my sobriety or I die type of thing I don't have anything I have without my sobriety so it's it's right. been I don't want to say easy because I don't I mean it's been easy for me but yeah it there's struggles like people think it's like you're just oh like I got friends like oh you just got sober and everything's easy for you no you didn't see the you didn't see the struggle for yeah. three or four years that I had to go through I didn't really get it until about a year and a half into sobriety yeah like I, I is when I finally started to pull myself out of certain stuff you know yeah like I it took me a while to get it and figure out life and get in like a routine and do everything like that you know I tried I remember I did what do you call it I wrote my I am statement yeah. one yeah I did my I am statement and I started doing it and then I stopped doing it and then I kind of realized okay and then I kind of found a funk where I was just playing video games. I was still sober, but I kind of, yeah. I remember coming talking to you, like I kind of felt like I wasn't. Like even yeah. though I was, I was in like a habit of like before, like I yeah. was just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. Kind of feeling sorry for myself, thinking the world owed me something. Right. And not doing anything to help myself. Yeah. And then now I rewrote it. Um, it's even longer. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's longer. Yeah. Nice. Um, and I've, like I said, I've completely like, change my habits and you know I, I never got up at six in the morning to talk to somebody like this <laughs> now i get up at six to go to the gym before work and i come do an hour of power and meditation kind of mm-hmm. focus on what i want to do yeah um and i try to get up and get everything done that way i can just go to work and work right and not focusing on a bunch of other things on the outside like i love that so yeah. you so you get up earlier now to, and take time to work on you before mm-hmm. the day starts yep. yeah yeah you know, I know in my recovered life that has been the, probably the greatest gift I've ever given myself is that hour of power where I spend time just working on me, get myself centered for the day. It is, it's truly a gift and I'm glad to hear you're doing that stuff we talked about as, you know, while you're going through here at Wasatch because uh, I had the opportunity, you know, I know Gary was your therapist, but I was your counselor and I got to work with you and that was awesome. You know, it was a good experience for me. Um, so if you could, uh, I asked you to maybe give a challenge to our listeners, you know, if you could share a challenge to have them do something that would help them in their life, you know, and so would you mind sharing that with us? (laughs) Uh, like I was telling you earlier, I mean, I was, my big thing was the habit change. Like I, I never got up in the morning and so I kind of focused on that one, that one bad habit Mm -hmm. of like sleeping in or being lazy and I said, you know, I'm going to change my lazy habit. I mean, habit. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. And I'm mm-hmm. going to, like, I worked on myself. Like, I gave myself time to work on myself in the morning. So I'm going to change a habit that you don't like about yourself. Like, okay. figure out what, what are you doing that you're so ru- so routine at doing that you don't even notice that you don't like about yourself. And change it. Like, kind of put a plan together and how you're going to change it mm-hmm. and then kind of work towards that plan and just go for it. Right. I mean, that's what I had to do. I literally had to tell myself, I'm going to get up in the morning 
And I would tell myself that, and I I would wake up in my alarm, and I'd look at my alarm, and I would close it and go back to sleep. <laughs> Finally, I just told myself, get up. Like, right. And I started getting up, and eventually it changed. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I know you weren't a fan of mornings. No. But uh, now it's kind of flipped. Yep. That's what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great challenge for all of us, actually, is maybe find those things that we're struggling with and put a plan in place to change that. Yeah. You know? I used to be kind of the same way. I hated mornings. I had a belief that I wasn't a morning person. You know, now I get up at 4 a.m. every morning and uh, do my hour of power. And like I said, I can't wait to do it, you know. But the first little while, it's a little painful getting up early when you're not used to it. Yep. Yeah. Long days. Love that. So if if people wanted to reach out to you and get a hold of you and just learn more about you, how, I mean, do you have, are you on social media? Can they follow you there? Would you... Yeah, I mean, I have just my name, Zeb Haslin, on Facebook, um, mm-hmm. and I have Instagram. I think Facebook links you to, okay. to all that. Yeah. yeah, I don't have Twitter, but okay. I have those type of things. So they could hit you up there if they wanted to know more about you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, great. Anything else you'd like to add to your story that we haven't talked about? No. No. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sober. <laughs> yeah, and I'm addicted to peace, love, and positivity. Nice. Well. You know, you uh, were definitely a success story uh, when you left. When you left Wasatch, you know, you never know for sure, you know. But I knew you had that determination in your mind. And you always wonder, okay, let's see if you really, you know, sticks to it kind of thing. And you have. Yeah. It's been remarkable. You, you have done an amazing job. You're a great example. I know you've been through a lot of stuff, but uh, you've made amends and you're moving forward in life, doing good things. Um, I commend you on that. And keep doing that. You You know, I'm glad I know you. And uh, thanks for being on my belief cast today. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) I remember when I left, you were the only one who told me that you believed in me. I think everybody else told me I was screwed. Yeah. I'll I'll keep it simple. And that's not what they said, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, not in those words, but that's what they basically said. You're screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and the reason why I said that to you, honestly, and I say this to, because for me, I'll never forget, I was in a really bad place too, you know, when I was going through my addiction and stuff, and someone believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself. And just having that, I don't know what it was about that, but it just, it was almost as if it gave me permission that I could believe in myself. And so I did. I believed you could do it. And here you are. Yep. Still doing it. So anyway, you're a good person. Glad I know you, man. And thanks for coming on this morning and sharing your story. Hey, you're welcome. Okay, love you, brother. I know you too. Okay, man, thanks so much. Mm